Hey, I'm Sam Bass, the first officially licensed artist of NASCAR, and you're listening to The Bucky Burt Show. Than a second. Who will take the lion's share of $180,000? Thank you, Sam Bass. I am your host, Bucky Burt of The Bucky Burt Show. I'm Peter Flaherty III. We welcome you to this new episode, Season 2, Race 2 in the books, Race 3 coming up this week at Homestead. This is where uh, the quote-unquote bread and butter is made, uh, where we know if the cream is going to rise to the top, Peter. That's right. We got we're out. We're still in the state of Florida, uh, but we're out of Daytona. We moved south to Miami Homestead. Right. But when you look at the schedule, you I know that we're going to have like seven road courses this year. But where you're really going to find out who has what is starting this week with with being a mile and a half racetrack at Homestead Miami Speedway. You know, Daytona produced a first time winner. The Daytona Road Course produced a first-time winner. Uh, one was one was probably a shock more than the other. Neither one, to me, is a shock, honestly, because at some point Michael McDowell was going to get a win, and it was more than likely going to be in a, at, at a play race. Yeah, and we all knew that that uh, Christopher Bell was going to win. We just didn't know where, and definitely didn't expect it to be this past weekend at the Road Course. So uh, this week. There's been a lot of talk on all the other forms of NASCAR radio, podcast, and and and, and whatnot, wherever you listen, about, okay, race one, race two, first-time winners. Are we going to have any more first-time winners? Uh, are we going to have more than the 16, uh, you know, winners? You know, you win and you're in for the chase, uh, for the playoffs. So I want to talk a little bit about that. And then, of course, we're going to talk about the upcoming week. We're going to have, uh, hopefully, uh, uh, if, if, if it all works out, we'll have some driver audio for you guys later on in the show. Uh, if not, then we'll definitely have that for you on the next podcast if, if we can get it to work. But uh, there's a lot to, to cover this week. And uh, so, so let's kind of get right into it, Peter. All right, let's dive in. Let's dive in. So... A lot of talk this past week has been first-time winners and 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 whatnot, uh, like what we talked about there in the intro. Michael McDowell picks up the win. He's one of four drivers that has finished in the top ten in the first two races. Yes, he has. And then you've got the 20 team, Christopher Bell, his second season as a full-time driver in the Cup Series. 
everybody knew at some point he was going to win a race. You just didn't know where and definitely didn't expect it to be this past weekend at the road course because a lot of focus was on, you know, Chase Elliott, the uh, road course king currently uh, as mo- among active drivers. Yes. Uh, so, Peter, do you think that we will see another first time winner this season? Uh, this season? Yes, I do. How many do you think we'll see? Um, I'll say two. All right. Do you want to to share who you think those two drivers might be? I think Matty D. Okay. Well, definitely, probably, if I had a pick, would be um, not the dirt race at Bristol, but probably the uh, the second race at Bristol at night, the, the uh, playoff race. Okay. I think that would be a good, safe bet for him. And then the other guy I would probably put down would be um, Bubba Wallace. All right, and that and would you say that Bubba Wallace's win would come anywhere? I I would like to see him. He usually runs well at Martinsville. So if I had to uh, pick a spot, it'd be Martinsville. That's a good pick, I think. Yeah. So let's talk about Matty D real quick because he's he's not off uh, to a real you know he's off to a bad start. Uh, he's he's like uh, I want to say like thirty seventh in points. Yeah, like ninety nine points. Yeah, he's really like ninety nine points out of the lead, uh, and and it's none of his you know really none of his doing. The first first race in the Daytona five hundred, he gets caught up in that that uncalled wreck, uh, uncalled for wreck on lap which, fourteen of the Daytona five hundred, which was caused by uh, pass. Yeah, the eventual winner of, yeah. of race number two. Um, <laughs> And then last week had a tire go down and basically just demolished the whole right side of his race car. Yep. So I'm not too worried yet. For him, you hit the panic button. No, I would be worried if if we are getting close to race number 26 and Matty D does not have a win. I right. think if Matty D has a win in the next 15 to 20 races, then I think that all, all is right in the world of Matty D. Okay. Uh, but if, if we don't have a win, you know, in the next 20 races, then I'm going to start panicking because uh, it's going to be hard to just point your way all the way into the top 10 in points when you're, you're starting off 99 back right now you know what i'm saying i agree i'm with you so so don't hit, so is don't hit the panic button so don't, just yet no don't hit the panic button just yet because we're only two races in and, and quite frankly the the first two races uh are are what you would call wild cards i guess with it with the first one being you know super speedway race and then the other one although it being a road course it's it's a little different. Uh, it's it's the second time we you know that we raced there, uh, and it's it is different. It's not like it. It's not a, uh, a what do you call a a a true road course. Do you uh, do you keep it on the schedule? Oh, of course. And yeah. I think what NASCAR should do is do the Daytona 500, and then the second week go back to Daytona and do the Roval. Do you get rid of the clash there? At the road course? 
I personally like the clash on the plate track. I do on too. The big track. I do too. Um, because the the clash was pretty boring, except for like the first five laps. And yes. Then like the last three laps. Yep. Because once they got spread out, it was almost like follow the leader, and there weren't that many people making bold moves. No. I mean, Chase Elliott came from the back to the front, but some of that was pit strategy. Yes. So I'm with you there with the make make the clash back on the plate side of it. So who are you hitting the panic button on going into race number three at Homestead? Right now? Uh, yeah. And that's that's a good one. Um I don't I don't there's no one really off the top of the head, off of my head there that I think that's really needs you to think it's too early. It's too early because Kyle rebounded pretty well. Kevin rebounded pretty well. Chase rebounded pretty well. Um, I mean, not really anybody off the top of my head. I mean, do you know if anybody else? I mean, um, trying to go down a list here. I don't see many that are. I mean, Chase Briscoe, but he's rookie. He's going to have these growing pains. He's had yeah, his- and you know, I listened. To, I listened to Chase Briscoe uh, be interviewed by someone who I will not mention uh, this past week on on SiriusXM uh, NASCAR Channel ninety. Uh, I'm I'm pretty sure you know why. Yeah, uh, but, <laughs> but anyway, um, and and Chase isn't worried. No, he, I don't. He really. Fe- I mean, he's ran well. He's just running to some. He would have had a top five, top ten at the road course. Uh, if if certain events didn't happen, he got caught up in someone else's mess in the Daytona 500. He he says that you know he's comfortable. He they're 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 figuring it out, and it's just a matter of time. I think until we start seeing Chase Briscoe. Look, the 14 team, uh, they've just run into you know issues. Two yep. situ- yeah, two issues. And like you said, it's it's his rookie season. This is early. expected, so it's okay, early. Maybe maybe a little panic on Tyler Reddick. Maybe a little bit. He's but had- you know what? Even though, even though Austin Dillon is is high in the points compared to where Tyler Reddick is, yeah, I would still put Tyler Reddick as the number one driver at RCR. Okay. And 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 I I base that on. How Tyler Reddick ran late last season, and quite frankly, he's been pretty good so far this year. Um, and I just think that that team clicks on all cylinders, whereas the three team does not. That's just my personal opinion. Do you agree uh, that RCR has definitely picked up over from the last couple of years? So definitely, uh, yes, up better. They have. Now, they're not Hendrick level by any means. No. But they've definitely improved. And and you know what? Here, here's, here's, here's where I would put a panic. I would put a panic on a, on, not on a particular driver, but on an organization. And, and the reason I'm putting a panic on this organization is because where have they been the last number of years? And they've made changes. And we have not seen any improvement. I, I and know, that is Roush I know who it is. Racing. I know who it is. Yeah, Roush. Yeah, Roush Fenway, yeah, Roush Fenway yeah. Racing. They bring in Matt Kenseth. He gets nothing done. They got a rookie in, in the sixth car when, when Newman's out. Nothing has changed. 
They've made changes as far as personnel, no improvements. You know, they are the, as far as like a, a, a Ford team that is backed by Ford, they're struggling. And, and you look at Stuart Haas Racing, and, and they're not struggling. Nope. All four drivers at Stuart Haas Racing are competing at a high level. Uh, Cole Custer, this is his, what, second year in the Cup Series? Yep. And he sits, what, 11th in points? 11th, or, in, yeah, 11th in points. Had a... and, and he's, like, quietly right there. And you got Kevin Harvick, who really hasn't even had a bang yet, but he is solidly inside the top 10 in points. Yeah, he is. And you got uh, Eric Almirola, who showed some muscle at Daytona, and especially during Speed Week, you know, in the duel. And then, obviously, he was up front when he got wrecked on lap 14 of the Daytona 500. (laughs) By who again? Oh, you know, the eventual winner of race number two. (laughs) Full circle. Didn't you love NASCAR, how it plays out? Yeah. You can't can't write this in a movie, folks. (laughs) <laughs> but back to the original question, I do think we have another first-time winner this year, but it's not going to be this weekend at Homestead. Yeah, it's I, not going to. We're not going to go three for three. No, I don't. I I think that's a pretty safe bet at Vegas if you were putting money on it. Yeah, I would love to say Matt DiBenedetto gets a win this season. That yeah, I think you posted this, Peter. Yeah, I saw where uh, where like. Certain drivers have finished in every position. Yeah, you saw like that. One pretty cool, 40. right? Yeah, Matty D has one more to do. He has yet to finish first. Yep. But he, he's finished second through 40th, yep. but not first. That's pretty cool, wasn't it? It was. So I, I really want to get into some mile and a half races to see where that 21 team stacks up and whether or not I'm going to put panic. But but Matty D, he, he's out of a ride at the end of this season. Yeah, so he's betting on himself, and he better start swinging for home runs. Yeah, he needs to definitely reach in there and 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 take some of that passion that we all know he has and uh, make it happen. Speaking of a driver who's betting on himself and is hitting like grand slams, as Ryan Priest, who doesn't have a full a full season slate. Doesn't have a charter for the year. Nope. And he is one of four drivers that has finished inside the top 10. He's solidly inside the top 10 in points. And and, and with these good finishes and strong runs, he's going to have a good starting spot, you know, for the upcoming races as long as he continues to perform. Yeah, we don't have a full field this weekend, too, which I noticed. Uh, we don't have a full 40. We only have 38. I would assume that the 96 is not on the uh, list. I haven't taken a look I yet. Think, I think the 16 is missing. And, you know, I may be the 96. Yeah, the college. I don't know. Yeah, I, I can't part. pull it up. Maybe you can. But I I'm pr- I know the 16 is one that's not there. Okay. Well, we'll try and take a look at that during break. Yeah. But anyway, let's go ahead and, uh, and take our first break. And when we come back, we're going to uh, – we're going to uh, – we're going to play some driver audio for you, hopefully, if we can get it worked out. Right. If not, you'll just hear our voices again uh, doing the next segment. So you're listening to The Bucky Burt Show. We'll be right back. Welcome back to The Bucky Burt Show. We're going to go to audio right now that we have from Cole Custer from this week 
with his media availability. We'll be right back. And welcome to everyone who's joined us on today's Ford Zoom call. Joining us is Cole Custer, driver of the number 41, HaasTooling.com Ford Mustang, and also star of episode three of The Crew, special guest star, Cole Custer. Cole, welcome. Thanks for joining us. Appreciate you spending a few minutes with us today. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Uh, 11th uh, at Daytona, 13th last week on the road course. You're 11th in points right now. Just how do you feel about the way your two races have gone to start the season? Uh, you know, it's been a solid start. I think the biggest thing for us right now is just kind of keeping that consistency. I mean, I think especially these first five races, it's kind of something where you want to make sure that you keep yourself in the game because you don't want to put yourself behind and then you're kind of fighting to try and get back up there. So it's uh, trying to put yourself not in a hole right now. is probably one of the biggest things. And I think we've done a really good job at that. And it's just a matter of building on it week by week. And I think we'll be right, right in the mix of it. All right, we've got some questions lined up here. So let's get started. I'll just start right from the top here. And Mark, uh, your hand's up. So go ahead, you can get us started. Mark Garrow. All right, uh, thank you. First, a Homestead-related question, Cole. How do you feel, I mean, is this, it used to be you do the 500, then the real racing starts. At least that's where everybody felt. But we had a road course in between this time. Do you feel like this is, are, are you glad to finally get to a chance? You're unrestricted, you're back oval track racing on a mile and a half. Just how do you feel about that this weekend? Yeah, I mean, I think this weekend is going to tell you a lot of, you know, where teams are on their 550 packages and um, and their intermediate tracks. So it should be a really good tell, tell sign for that that type of racetrack. Um, it is, you know, it, uh, maybe it was like the real racing started last week, though, because, I mean, we are going to have a lot of weeks or something um, or. Yeah, I mean, I'll let. Yep. Yep. I, 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 I agree. Hold on a second. Go ahead, I, got, I, I got it. Go ahead. Sorry about that. Go ahead. Okay. Cole Custer, take two. <laughs> uh, what was the, what, what was the question again? Well, I mean, again, do you feel like this is kind of when the real racing starts this weekend? Um, I think so for sure. I mean, I think the 550 stuff is definitely uh, a lot, a big telltale sign this weekend with uh, everything, you know, with everybody's intermediate programs. So this is going to be a big weekend for a lot of teams showing what they worked on in the off season and what they got for this year. Um, but also with how many road courses there are in, in the schedule this year, it, it was really important getting, you know, having competitiveness at the Daytona road course. So um, it, it's just, you know, those road courses are going to be even more important this year. Now you're, you're a guy who has built his career kind of step-by-step step, working your way through the ranks, winning races, moving up. And of course, now you want to race on the cup series. Uh, I was reading a tweet from Brad Kozlowski today, feeling like a lot of these younger drivers are overhyped. What do you think when a veteran starts kind of saying stuff about, about younger drivers? And, and do you think that's fair? Or, you know, given the fact how much you've worked to get to where you are, it's, 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 not a, it's, a, it's an unfair assessment. Um, you know, you know, we want to make stars in this sport, I think is one of the biggest things, you know, so the media and people are going to hype people up, you know, that's just part of sports in general. I mean, uh, you know, I don't, the thing that I've realized, I think over the last few years is that nobody's really that special, <laughs> you know, so everybody's just a person, everybody's the same, you know, working out what they're trying to do and everybody has different mindsets and stuff like that. And, you know, excels at different things, but, you know, a lot of times everybody's a little bit hyped up more than what they are, you know? So it's, uh, you know, 
I think you just have to look at people as, as, as you know, when you're trying to judge people and how good of a race car driver they are, you can't think of them as just the next big thing. You have to think of it as, you know, what they've done and, you know, how, how well they've worked at it. And, you know, I just, I don't, I don't think of things of hyping people up. I don't really like that. Do you feel like sometimes it, people don't appreciate how hard you work to get where you're at? Um, I think you have that for sure at times. Um, and that's probably different for every single driver, you know, but um, you do work really hard to try and, you know, look at all kinds of different film, look at different data, take tons of notes. I mean, study for hours and hours before race weekends and try and, you know, work really hard on making sure that you're coming to the track prepared and doing everything that you, you can do physically possible to try and be ready. So it's, uh, there is a lot of work behind the, behind the scenes, I guess, that happens. Thank you. Good luck this weekend. Thank you. Thank you, Mark. Let's go to Anton from ASN Media. Go ahead, Anton. Thanks. Good afternoon, Cole. So uh, Homestead has been the home of NASCAR season finale for a very long time. How different it is uh, driving there knowing that this is not a championship deciding race anymore? Uh, you know, that's a tough question. I mean, I guess it's just, it's still a really fun racetrack to go to for the drivers. I mean, you're able to move around the track and, you know, run different lanes. And I think from a driver's standpoint, it's one of our favorite places to go to just because you're slipping and sliding around and able to, to do a lot as a driver. Um, it does, you know, it's a different feel for sure that it's not championship weekend anymore. Um, but that's, you know, you just look at it as another weekend now and it's just, you try and go there and get as many points as you can and try and set yourself up for the rest of the season. Thanks. Wishing you all the best for this weekend. Thank you. Luis Torres. Go ahead, Luis. Thank you. Cole, it's kind of alluded already that all these young grabbers are starting to win and you're kind of falling into that mix in a sense where you're in your sophomore season. You're coming to tracks like Homestead, which is very unique, and you've had success in the past and experience. Just describe just how the car and package is much different on the cup side compared to the Xfinity of what you had after one start. Uh, it's a complete 180. <laughs> so um, that was one of the things that was really tough for me. I mean, just getting used to what the 550 package was and how the cup cars drove. I mean, it was the exact opposite <laughs> of what the Xfinity cars were, at least from, you know, how my philosophy was on driving those cars and, um, it took me a lot of learning on how I was going to change my driving style to fit the cup car better. And it's just a matter of, you know, you have way more downforce, less motor, and you have to figure out how to carry the throttle pretty much is the biggest thing. Just be able to drive it into the corner deep and, um, figure out, you know, how you can keep your long run speed in your car and just kind of how much you want to trim it out and things like that. You feel like that is instrumental of finding that consistency that you've been looking for? Um, yeah, for sure. I mean, it was something that, you know, for me, just getting used to the cars and figuring out what I need to be doing. Uh, and then from a, you know, just a team standpoint, I mean, I think we've kind of over, you know, the last 10 years, a little bit over a year, we've worked uh, pretty hard on trying to figure out what's the best package for me at these 550 tracks and figuring out what I like in the car compared to, you know, what our teammates like and, you know, and then using our teammates knows to see what we can try. And it's just a, it's a, always an ongoing process to see, you know, how you can get yourself better. Thank you. Best of luck. Thank you. Steven Toronto. Go ahead. Oh, I actually wanted to ask you about your acting debut in the crew. 
Uh, so you were one of three drivers alongside Brian Blaney and Austin Dillon to uh, actually appear in that show. Can you talk about how that opportunity came about, what that experience was like, and would you fancy doing some more acting work in the yeah, I mean, it was something NASCAR kind of reached out about of, you know, if you wanted to kind of, you know, be a part of this. And it was, you know, I definitely wanted to. I mean, whenever it's, you know, Kevin James, I mean, you wanted to be able to just be a part of that experience and see what it was going to be like, you know. Um, I don't know. I would not give myself a good grade. <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to be called back. Um, but I did my lines and I, I, I did my best so I can work on it for next time, maybe. Um, but it was fun. I mean, just being around somebody like that, I mean, in a totally different profession, like Kevin James, um, you know, a lot of the stuff he was doing was just, you know, off script, you know, like just thinking off the top of his head. And it was just, it was amazing. Like I, I couldn't believe how fast he could think and, you know, make up different lines and stuff like that. Very cool. Thank you, Cole. Thank you. Claire B. Lang. Go ahead, Claire. All right. Cole, is there a part of the season, you know, where like the regular season starts now where you have to start pacing yourself that, you know, you're really young, but the first part of the season is such a rush. You know, you get ready. It's Daytona. We go right to the road course. Is there a point where you have to kind of start pacing yourself and actually think about that or no? Uh, you know, I think starting off the season, you're just trying to make sure you don't put yourself in a hole is the biggest thing, at least from my standpoint. And from there, you just try and build it and you try and get more and more confident, you know, more comfortable with what's going on just because we don't have to practice to work through a lot of things now as a driver. So I think limiting the big mistakes and kind of working into it is probably a smart idea. Um, and then once you get into the summer, summer months, I mean, you're trying to, you know, just perfect it more and more and more, get more and more aggressive. And it's just a matter of, you know, working up to it, I think is the biggest thing. Yeah. And so the comments about Kozlowski that he tweeted, you might not have seen it, but it was really about, uh, you know, contracts and paying young drivers less because you go after your social numbers and it's more important maybe than how great you drive or how many trophies you have and driver salaries and that kind of thing. That was what the tweet was really about, about young people. Do you think about that related to your contract? Do you think about your social numbers? You've really stepped up your social numbers in the last year or so. Even pretty good at it lately you know uh, I try you know I think it's one of the cool things we get to do in NASCAR is work with um you know be able to engage with the fans as much as we do I mean it's it's a fun thing that you can be a part of and you know at first I probably wasn't the best at it I've just always been a little bit quieter um but you know it's something that I think I've grown more and more comfortable with and it's uh it, it, you can have a lot of fun with it I think too um, and back to what you said about Brad, I mean, I didn't, I didn't see the comments. <laughs> I have no idea, <laughs> but so I don't really want to say too much because I haven't really seen that much. Um, but you know, I don't know. It's an interesting spot. I mean, it's just kind of part of it of where, you know, sponsorship is and how, how stuff works now. I mean, it's one of those things. I mean, if I, I don't know, I mean, I think sometimes if you don't have all the sponsorship there and people can't you know, people are finding ways to pay for things and it's, it's just part of the game right now, I guess you'd say. In other words, you know, your social numbers and social presence is as important as racing well on the track, maybe not as earning trophies, but it is part of the game and you, you under, you young drivers understand that. Yeah. I mean, that's a huge part of it is, uh, you know, having, you know, being good off the track and on the track. So, um, 
uh, I'm just trying to have a good answer for this, but I, <laughs> but yeah. I don't know. It's an interesting question and I'm probably not the best one to speak on it. You know, he has a lot more experience than I do. Um, but it's, a uh, it's an interesting time for sure. Yeah. Did a good job. Appreciate the answer. Thank you. Good luck this weekend. Thank you. Thank you, Claire. Let's go to Woody Kane, Motor Racing Network. Go ahead, Woody. Hey, Cole, appreciate your time. I was interested in what you were talking about with the surface at Homestead being worn in and drivers uh, liking it. And there's several tracks that qualify as, as that category. But look ahead a, a week more for us, if you will, to Las Vegas, because it seems like that surface might be joining some of the others in terms of how racy it's been getting compared to just even a few years ago. What do you think about it? Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's huge. I mean, whenever you see these tracks that are wearing out more and more, it just makes them racier and racier, in my opinion. I mean, where you're able to slip and slide around and you're able to, you know, do more as a driver. You're able to move around the track. You're able to kind of find something that's better than the guy next to you. So it's uh, it's something that's really fun. fun, And I think it's it's always every single driver gets, gets excited when the pavement starts getting wore out. And how does Vegas compare to some of these other tracks that are you know, we always think of as already worn, but how does that one compare? Oh, well, it's a track that's kind of transitioning into that field, I guess you'd say. So um, it's it's getting there. It's starting to get a little bit more wore out, but it's also the big thing there is just the bumps. Um, the surface might not be extremely worn, but they have just huge bumps. So it's it's does bring a huge challenge into how the, the driver is going to make it through the bumps and how the team's going to set the car up through it. Thank you, Cole. Thank you, Woody. Let's go to Ashley McCubbin. Go ahead, Ashley. Your first appearance at Homestead in the Cup Car saw you get a 22nd place finish. What's it going to take this time around to be even better? Uh, for us, it's just uh, it's been so long since we've been to Homestead. Um, you know, I think we've been we've grown so much since then. So um, I don't know if it's even comparable, honestly. So um, for us, it's just going to be a matter of, you know, having a car that you can drive into the corner deep and carry a lot of throttle. I mean, that's pretty much what the 550 package is. And um, at Homestead, you will have to worry more about your long run speed just because the tires do wear out a lot. But, you know, being able to be really confident with your car and move it around the track on restarts, it's uh, will be a huge deal. And what's the trick to running the high line as that always seems to be the big talk, uh, talking topic when we head there? Uh, you know, I think, the guys that you see who are really good at it, they're able to enter right on the wall and be as close to it as, as humanly possible, you know? Um, and the closer you get to it, the more grip you have. Um, there is also risk with that, you know? So it's a matter of kind of balancing the risk versus reward and knowing what time to do it and what time to push it. Um, and I think it's just, you know, I think that's one of the big parts of it is just, you know, managing the risk. Perfect. Thank you for your time. Best of luck this weekend. Thank you. All right, he was the pole sitter on our call today. So Kyle Foster, go ahead, ask your question. Hey, Cole. Um, so I'm just curious, where, how do you think your road course program is so far and where do you guys need to improve? Uh, you know, we were solid. I thought we were a solid top 10 car, honestly, the whole race on Sunday. And we just, you know, I think we just need to keep going in the direction we are. Um, you know, we found little things from the clash and we brought them to uh, the points paying race of the Daytona road course. And I think it definitely worked out good. And we just, we just need to keep working in that little, those little areas to try and get better and better, you know? So it's just a little bit of this, a little bit of that. I don't know if you can pinpoint it on one thing ever. Gotcha. Thank you very much. Thank you.
All right, Bob, go ahead, your turn. Yeah, Cole, um, with McDowell winning, uh, people probably didn't think he was going to win a race this year. You have Bell winning. I think people probably felt he'd be in contention for the playoffs, but now he's pretty much in. How does, does that change the dynamic for you at all and trying to figure out, okay, you know, when to go for wins and when to be safe on points? Uh, you know, it's definitely not ideal, um, but at the same time, it's probably too early to know, you know, how that's all going to work out, you know? So at this point, you just try and keep being consistent, keep trying to work up to it, trying to you know, run in the top 10 and get stage points um, and try and get as many points as you can. Um, you know, it's something where, I mean, halfway through the year and you're in that spot where you don't want to be, you're right on the bubble, you might have to be more aggressive. But at this point, it's too early to tell, I feel like, and you really just have to keep trying to be consistent. Thank you. Thank you, Bob. Let's go to Dustin Long. Go ahead, Dustin. Thanks. Um, Cole, uh, this past weekend, uh, NASCAR called the caution for the, the rain situation, the brief shower uh, on over part of the, part of the court course. Obviously, NASCAR followed the rule book. It's exactly what they had to do in a situation like that where they start in a dry condition and, and it gets into a wet situation. Obviously, nobody came down to pit road, took tires, took advantage of it. I guess from, from a driver's point of view, are you fine with, you know, NASCAR, you know, calling that caution, uh, I guess in a sense, an, an alert system, a safety aspect, but also something that impacts the race, uh, or is it better off to maybe look at, this could be a rule change that could be made at some point, whether this year or for the future, to put it more in the driver, to put it more in the team's hands on when to call the driver in or when the driver needs to decide. Is, is this a good rule to keep to protect the teams and drivers from each other, or should the drivers and teams have a little bit more autonomy uh, in such situations? Uh, you know, that's a tough question. Um, Cause it's going to, the situation is going to be different every single time. I mean, if it just starts downpouring, you know, right, right off the second, you know, you know, just instantly, you know, having the caution, there's a good idea you know, because people are probably half the field's going to wreck on slicks because the whole track's wet. Um, but the other side of it is if it's just a little bit of rain, you know, it's, uh, you could probably put that more in the team's decision. So I don't know, it's always going to be a little bit of a judgment call, I guess, is the problem. And, uh, you know, it, it sucked, I guess, that it didn't, you know, they threw the caution and it didn't keep raining, you know, so they kind of threw it and it didn't really work out. But, um, I think it's just, you're going to have that at times in sports. I mean, everything's not going to be perfect. What was your kind of uh, sense of uh, alarm uh, when you went through there before the caution had been called? Were you, was it, how much of a concern was it? I guess it was essentially mainly over what the uh, oval turn to where it was kind of that, what was your concern at that point before the caution? Yeah, it was sprinkling a little bit. Um, you know, it wasn't something I was extremely worried about. You know, I was running the top 10, so I was, I just wanted it to stay green, <laughs> but I'm sure the guys who were running, you know, a little bit further back were like, we want the caution right now. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I think it's something that could have gone, gone either way and it's just, they decided to throw the caution and, you know, that's just part of it. And one, one last thing is on the high line at, at Miami, um, yeah, and I know you can be a little bit more physical with the with those Xfinity cars as opposed to the Cup cars. Is there still a, a feel, or um, when you're getting close to the wall, is it you you you, or do you feel that the air cushion, or are you trying to feel a little bit off the wall? 
and to kind of get a sense of where you are, how close you can be in those situations? Yeah, I guess the biggest thing is it's a, it's a combination of, you know, using your eyes of, you know, how close you are to the wall. And then you have to use your feel, like you said, of how the air is, you know, compacting into the wall and how that, you know, how, how much of a feel you have of how close you are to it. So, you, you know, your eyes won't get you, I guess, to a certain point, you kind of have to use your feel to kind of get you all the way there. And one last thing on that is, who do you look at as some of the guys that, that are the best at able to run that line consistently? Um, well, I think you definitely look at Tyler Reddick and you look at Kyle Larson. I mean, I think those guys have definitely probably, you know, been at the top of the sheet on that kind of, on that line. So, um, and they're probably the ones who are the most committed to it also. So it's, um, it's one of those things. I mean, you definitely have some speed up there, but it's a matter of risk versus reward and, you know, making sure you don't ruin your day up there also. Thank you. Thank you, Dustin. And let's uh, close it out with Casey Campbell. Go ahead, Casey, you're up. Thanks so much, Dan. Um, Cole, hope you're doing well. Um, just, you know, overall, and I'm sorry I joined, um, I'm sorry if this has already been asked, uh, I joined late, but where do you think you're at after two races? I know that this is the second year in Cup. You've worked with, obviously, Mike longer than that, but where do you think you guys are at the first two races of the year? Um, right now, I'm, I think we're honestly in a good spot. I mean, I was happy with our run at Daytona. We ran a lot of the race in the top 10. Um, I think we just need to keep building off that. I mean, if you can run the top 10 and get stage points and not make the big mistakes, I mean, you're going to find yourself in some pretty good spots and you're going to find yourself right in the middle of the points battle to make the playoffs. So um, I think it's just a matter of just taking a week by week and making sure, making sure we keep progressing. But it's, uh, I'm, I think we're in a deep, pretty good spot right now. All right. Thank you, Cole. Thanks, Dan. All right, Cole, thank you very much for taking 20 minutes or so to join us. And uh, over your right shoulder, it looks like you got a little space on that uh, uh, shelf there for a new trophy. So maybe this will be the weekend. So best of luck at uh, Homestead. Yep, it's a Dixie Vodka 400. So we had him on the car last week. So we need to win it this week. Very good. Well, best of luck and uh, we'll have you back soon. Thank you. All right, now we're going to hear audio from Denny Hamlin's media availability this week. We'll be right back. Good deal. We are now joined by Denny Hamlin, who will be driving the number 11 FedEx Small Business Grant Toyota for Joe Gibbs Racing this weekend at Homestead Miami Speedway. And Denny, you unveiled the paint scheme this morning on Instagram. I'm going to give everybody a look uh, about that paint scheme. Can you tell us, uh, tell us what this paint scheme is about this weekend and uh, what it means? Yeah, this is great. Uh, a great promotion FedEx is doing for small businesses. They're Actually, uh, they have 12 grants for 50,000 each that uh, you can uh, you can register for. Um, I believe up until March 9th at uh, FedEx.com/grantcontest, and so you see access track right there on the left rear. Um, this is really cool. Kelly Twitchell, for uh, who is the owner of Access Track, was uh, one of our winners last year. So great to have her on the car, and, and it's great that FedEx is giving back to small businesses. Fantastic. Well, we've got a lot of questions for you this morning. Denny, we're going to go right into them. And our first question is going to come from Jenna Fryer. Go ahead with the question, Jenna. Hey, Denny, I've got two different questions. Um, yesterday, the conversation started about young drivers. You seem to take that personally. I'm wondering um, if it was specifically because you were brought into it or because young guys win a race and all of a sudden everybody starts, oh, the young guys, they're coming. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I can understand it, you know, coming from fans because they're not prefaced to information that, you know, analysts or, or media are. So um, my my thing was just like, have you not seen one article in the last, have you watched one race in the last two years? Have you <laughs> seen any articles about like re-signing? Like, I, I don't know. It's just, it's, I, it just dumbfounds me. And, but it also is not surprising. So it's more about that you were listed as somebody. That yeah, should, yeah, certainly. I mean, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm not sure who I can equate it to in another sports world, but essentially someone else that's at the top of their game and they're like, oh, this this guy scored 30 off the bench. He's coming for your starting position. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> My second question is, I went back and I read some 2010 articles when you had been fined for tweets and you said you were going to cut back on your tweets. And uh, here we are 11 years later and you're back. You're, you're kind of prolific. You're a little bit provocative. Um, have you gotten more comfortable with it? Uh, it, it fans seem to be um, pleased with this side of you. Um, where Where's your mind at in, with your tweeting? Well, I mean, obviously, since I am at the end of my career, why, why care at this point? <laughs> <laughs> Owning the race team doesn't hurt either. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Denny. Thanks. I'm joking, by the way. I know. Good deal. Our next question is going to come from Bob Pockers. Go ahead, Bob. Yeah, Denny, this is the first race at Homestead with the choose rule. Uh, does it mean more or less at Homestead considering there's multiple lanes? It will mean a little less at Homestead, but still be significant. Um, honestly, I'd forgotten that we had it, you know, up until, uh, you know, talking about the racetrack this week. So, yeah, I mean, I think that uh, certainly it's, uh, it's a great addition uh, to the strategic part of you know, making decisions on, you know, what you're going to do uh, in these races. So I like that element. It's fun. Uh, and certainly, but it won't be, you know, I mean, it, it'll be important on the last restart if we have a green white checkered, but I think beyond that inside, you know, outside five laps to go, it, it won't be too much of a detriment either way. And I want to ask in your role as an owner, uh, did the 2311 join the RTA and if so, or if not, why? Um, yes, we did are <laughs> for very simple reasons. Thank you. Our next, our next question is going to come from Claire B. Lang. Go ahead with the question, Claire. Thank you. Denny, I did see, Denny, I saw your uh, tweet to Chip Ganassi as well. And why did you tweet to Chip Ganassi that he was a legend and he said, you're a legend too, Denny Hamlin. I mean, it was really enjoyable. I got a kick out of it, but it left me wondering what the hell is that all about? Claire, this is inside baseball. We, I'm, I'm sorry, I cannot go further than that. Well, let me just say that I enjoy the side of Denny Hamlin that has a sense of humor. And I go way back to when you were burnt out at the end of the season at the table. I don't know, maybe, it was a really bad morning uh, and the, you know, it was like champions week or something. And I look at you now and you're laughing and you're like, well, that was a joke. Is that the side of Denny Hamlin that you compete better when you can be that guy who jokes around and has a sense of humor and you've reached a part in your career where, okay, people don't get it. They don't get it, but it's really funny. And it, it seems like you're having a great time. Yeah. I mean, I think that generally, you know, I think NASCAR drivers get kind of, 
lulled into you know people believing that um, that you know everyone's vanilla, everyone's boring, and everything else. But also, you got to realize that you know there's there's big companies like FedEx that you have to represent, and you have to do it in a professional way. And and certainly, uh, I, I try my best to do that. But also, you know, you, you can be yourself as well. And um, I think certainly, you know, NASCAR has been you know less um, you know, strict on, you know, censoring. I think that that's, you know, maybe helped a little bit, but certainly, I mean, it just kind of depends. I mean, in your personal life, I think you can show whatever personality, uh, you want to. And, uh, I just think that, um, you know, I haven't changed or anything like that. It's just, uh, you know, I, I always said that, <laughs> you know, you'd get the good stuff after my career is over, but uh, I guess I'm going to start now. Well, we're enjoying it. Thanks a lot. Good luck this weekend. All right. Thanks. Our next question is going to come from Jeff Gluck. Go ahead with the question, Jeff. Danny, since you're, you're good at uh, predictions and things like that, um, if you had to guess, is this going to be the kind of race this week where, you know, first, you know, intermediate oval and, and so it's just going to be a, the big teams dominate and unload fast or because it's so early in the season, could we see some more parity with, you know, a couple of those medium tier teams competing with the big guys? Uh, I, I think it'll be more, you know, status quo on, you know, where we were last year. Now that doesn't mean uh, me and Kevin will, you know, since it's a mile and a half, we're going to dominate. But I think that certainly, um, you know, the, the mid-tier teams, this is where, uh, you know, so many, where the resources that they don't have uh, will come into factor a little bit more. So, um, you know, I, I don't know that I would call the 20 car mid-tier, and then I don't know that I'd call 34, you know, a shock because he's, you know, we are at a super speedway. So I think the winner's names in the list is, you know, like, oh, wow, where's our superstars? But, you know, we're, we're about to get in the chunk of the season where you're going to start to see uh, some of your normal winners uh, in the bracket. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Our next question is going to come from Dustin Long. Go ahead with the question, Dustin. Thank you. Hey, Denny, a driver mentioned to me this week that when they look at the data, that your data is so much different than just about every other driver's in terms of throttle and what you do. It's, it, they said it's, it's very unique at, at, at most of the tracks. And I'm curious if, you're, if your data, your driving style is so much different from everybody else, when you look at driver data, what, what are you getting out of it? Or is it still something to try? Or is it a way to kind of attack your opponents? Yeah, I mean, I don't think that my data can be replicated. Honestly, I, I think that you can try, but you're probably going to be wasting your time. Um, it's just something that I've always done. It's probably more of a habit more than it is, um, you know, uh, you know, conscious decision to, to drive that way. Uh, but what I get out of it is I recognize, you know, where what I can analyze from other drivers, even though I'm not driving the same way there's certain things that I can identify that, that does help me uh, and I apply it to my style. So there are things, I mean, I, I don't really want to give all that stuff away uh, information wise, but, um, but certainly there, I can use the data. I think it's harder for people to read my data. Um, and, and, and since everybody can look at your, the other competitors can look at your data, they can see what you're doing uh, for somebody like myself that doesn't see it, that can't relate. Can you give me a sense of what is so different or a little bit of a sense of what's different with what you do or how you attack things? 
Uh, just my throttle application is dramatically different than everyone else's. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Our next question will come from Alan Cabana. Go ahead with the question, Alan. Hey, Denny, you were talking about the 20 before. Um, now that he's got the win, I think he's starting up front. Someone said it's his best starting position ever. It seems like new territory for a young driver. And I was just wondering, uh, do you remember that as a young driver when, when you became amongst uh, and started competing against the top people in the sport? What was that like? And what is that like for a young driver? Well, I mean, I'm sure this is a huge confidence boost. I mean, I know that it was for me in 06. I mean, started in the shootout, right? My rookie season winning the very first race, it was like, okay, I belong here. And I think Christopher, you know, everyone else knows, you know, his talent level. And, and I think he showed even flashes last year. Uh, you know, most of the time when you really dive into the stats and whatnot, you know, he was kind of a middle tier JGR car most weekends. Like he was never really the worst that much. So um, I think that we knew that uh, he obviously had a, a bunch of talent. Um, but yeah, I bet this has given him a ton of confidence and now he can race freely uh doesn't have to worry about you know playoff spots or racing for points or anything like that at this point so he's liable to be uh probably even more dangerous at this point going forward what's that education like when you're suddenly restarting next to chase elliott and denny hamlin and racing them for the lead rather than trying to get you know 15th 18th mm -hmm. it's different um you know it is inside that top 10 it is different the you really have to understand those guys and each one of them's driving style to understand how to predict whether you're going to set up a pass or they're trying to pass you. You understand where they're going to make their move because you know how historically they've driven in the past. So uh, that's something he will learn as well is kind of, you know, each characteristic of, of these top 10 guys and what to expect. And that's just going to make him better. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Our next question is going to come from Michelle Martinelli. Go ahead with the question, Michelle. Denny, so far, you know, two tracks in two races that aren't really representative of the rest of the schedule. But um, so far, how do you evaluate your performance and that of the 23 team? And have you offered any advice to um, that, that new team or Baba specifically going forward? Yeah, I mean, I think that uh, our team, our 11 FedEx team has been very, very good the first couple races. Um, I think that even though my finish was a little worse um, than the Daytona road course last year, I think we were second, third to this time. I, I thought overall our performance was closer uh, to the front. So um, I'm pretty happy about that. Speed weeks, we obviously led the most laps, won both stages. We won three out of four stages so far this year. Um, so I'm pretty happy with where we are on the poll this weekend because of our performance last weekend. So all's good there. Uh, happy with that. 23 teams, uh, still just a learning progress. I mean, learning, uh, in progress. I believe that, you know, I, I, I had the most painful day yesterday. I'm, I'm listening to the 11, the 23 teams debrief in my ears while I'm getting my I'm at the dentist getting my teeth clean. It might've been the most painful hour of possibly my, my life, but um, it was a, you know, a learning process. I mean, I think that they know what their weaknesses is. They, they got to go work on it and, uh, but they're going to get better. And, and I chip in wherever I can. Um, I try to do the best I can to be a great teammate to them, just like the other teammates at JGR. And, you know, I dedicate, you know, a certain amount of time per week to, you know, helping out that race team and helping them get better. 
painful because of the challenges that might have been discussed in the conversation or painful because of the teeth cleaning? Both, <laughs> both of them. Um, but I think that, you know, uh, Bubba recognizes he's got a very fast car. I mean, all the JGR cars were up front uh, this past weekend. Um, it's just, you know, he knows he's got a lot of work to do on, on himself on the road courses. So um, I, I think he's very much looking forward to, to going to Homestead this weekend and seeing where he stacks up on the mile and a half. Deal. Our final question will come from Lee Spencer. I have the question, Lee. So much, and Denny, thank you for joining us. Um, you know, back to the discussion about the kids and all. Uh, Toyota has such a, a strong pipeline. They're bringing them in. Joe and Dave Wilson both said that you would like to expand in the future. Um, do you have a set time when you might be looking at that, or do you want to give it a year or two just to get your legs? Well, I mean, I'd like to expand as quick as possible. I mean, I think the, the, the quicker we expand, the more resources we will have as a race team to get better. Uh, you know, the, the better people we can hire, it's, it's, it's all of the, everything gets better the more information that you can throw into the, you know, throw into the pot. So, you know, when it makes sense for us is when it financially makes sense for us. I mean, it's, it's about getting a sponsor and a driver and a crew chief first. Those three things have all got to line up. Um, and then you got to try to find a charter. So it's, um, you know, there, there's a lot of obstacles that are in the way uh, of it happening, but certainly um, we feel like we're, we're active in the space and we're trying, uh, we're trying our best to, to be the team that uh, Toyota feels like they, they can, you know, they have a place for their young guys to go or um, you know, maybe we go after uh, an established uh, veteran who's who's got a great resume. Is Xfinity, you know, ultimately going to be part of that plan as well? Because you know, Kyle's kind of holding the lion's share of the truck. Uh, Thor Sport, you know, they they kind of have their veterans, but it really seems to be a need for Xfinity to get these guys prepared to go to Cup inevitably. Yeah, and, and but ultimately, this is all around sponsorship. I mean, you know, it costs a tremendous amount of money to put these cars on the racetrack. And listen, I wish the model were the teams could just hire whoever they wanted. And, you know, they didn't have to worry about, you know, getting a, a big sponsor to, you know, just break even um, or finding a driver that, that brought money. But that's the climate that we live in. And so, you know, unfortunately for us, we have to make sure you have the the check writer first, and then you go out and, and get your talent. So, um, and it's just a weird process and how it all works, but certainly um, we're, we're trying to do it as quick as we can. And did you learn anything from watching the 95 and the 78 so that doesn't become your path as well? Well, I think it was difficult. The, those two were, were very different situations. The, the 78 had sponsorship. So, they were able to take what JGR had, apply more resources to it because they had, you know, money to do it through sponsorship and they, they made it better. They, they took that product and they made it better. The 95, you know, really the, the COVID and everything really put a damper on their sponsorship efforts. So I think they were probably strapped for, for money at, at times. And so they could only, they couldn't, go out and hire more people to, to make those cars even better and faster. And um, I think that, that that really shows in performance. Um, I, I don't think it from, was from a lack of effort by any means. I just think that 
there was a lot of unfortunate circumstances that hit the 95 that didn't hit the 78 until a certain time. And when Barney was done, I think his son looked at the business file and was like, I ain't taking this. I'm not taking this dead on. You can go have it. And, uh, and the team shut down. Appreciate your time. Yep. Deal. Well, Denny, really appreciate you taking the time to join us. And uh, good luck this week in Homestead Miami Speedway. All right. Thank you. Appreciate it. Take care. Kurt Busch will be joining us here momentarily. So stand by. Now we're going to go to Kurt Busch. I know our good friend Dustin Perry is going to be excited to hear from Kurt Busch. We've got Kurt Busch's media availability from this week. We're going to play that for you right now. Morning, Kurt. Can you hear us? Morning. Yes, I've got you. Good deal. Well, we're going to go ahead and get started with Kurt Busch. If you have a question for Kurt, go ahead and raise your hand and we'll, we'll get to as many as possible. Our first question for Kurt is going to come from Lee Spencer. Go ahead with the question. I get a twofer. That's pretty sporty. Um, kind of wanted to get your, um, you know, get your feeling on the debate Denny and Keselowski were having on Twitter, because I know as a veteran driver that does have sponsorship with Monster, they've been a huge supporter of yours over the years. Um, you know, where do you land on the young kids coming up and, and, you know, bringing big checks and taking people's spots? And uh, how do you secure your own future? Um, I'm not quite familiar with the debate between Kozlowski and, and Hamlin. Is it the fact of how young guys are coming into the sport uh, without the credentials from the driving side, but they have the, the sponsorship opportunities? Oh, Is that the debate? Along those lines to some degree. You know, I, I think that like anything in life, there's the evolution and there's change. And I want to say that I am a beneficiary of the boom of NASCAR in the late 90s. And when I came in as a rookie in 2001 with a brand new TV package, uh, the sport was in a completely different space because of the amount of money and attention that the sport had invested into itself and how much it, it positioned itself for what we all benefited over the last uh, you know, decade and a half. And so things change, things evolve. You know, Jeff Gordon came in, had all this talent. You know, we had Tony Stewart coming in with all this talent from the IndyCar side. And, you know, these were owners, Rick Hendrick and Coach Gibbs. Uh, Richard Childress found a guy named Kevin Harvick. Uh, Roush Racing found a guy named Matt Kenseth and Kurt Busch. Uh, we can go on and on about how the the owners were hiring drivers, and it felt more of a felt more of like a arms race. And you know, uh, I'm a something changed right in the beginning of my career where John Deere was a sponsor at Roush Racing, and they wanted uh, a young driver to to come in and and better the results. Is was the answer I was given or the opportunity that I received. And within seven months, the CEO changed and John Deere's not in NASCAR anymore. Well, was it because of me? No, it, this, this CEO liked golf and that's where the John Deere classic was born. So I might've went off on a tangent there on what it means to be a driver with talent or what it means to be a driver with sponsorship. And you have to do it all. You have to do it all in this day and age. 
you have to have the the on-track results and even if you don't you have to have the off-track results and your influence through social media and the power of your name and your credibility to be able to move the needle and to give the sponsors and these these partners the proper appreciation for why they're investing with you or the team and it, it takes it takes a lot it takes a lot from all these different categories and so there's no right or wrong answer on if Denny's saying one thing uh, versus Kozlowski saying it another way. And, and there's different upbringings for many different people on how they've even arrived at this point. So it's endless with the amount of discussion we can have on this. Appreciate your time, champ. Good luck this weekend. Thank you. Our next question is gonna come from Claire B. Lang. Go ahead with the question, Claire. Thank you. Um, I really, love to watch you race because you're relentless and you were relentless this past weekend right and we saw people coming up to the front we didn't see them for a while and there they come again can you talk about that i mean it doesn't mean if if you have a crash and i mean all drivers are sort of like that but you're very tenacious and i think if you describe your weekend this past weekend at the road course you were just not giving up yeah, we had to bounce back from the uh, the Daytona Oval race. You know, the 500 did not go very well for us. And our road course program at Ganassi, I've been chipping away at it since I got there. And for us, we got uh, fifth at last year's Roval. And that was in the playoffs. We needed that solid finish. And we needed that again to start our season here in 2021. And so I drove elbows out. Uh, it was definitely a, a feeling of, overdriving and getting back to just letting it letting all the rough edges drag and i did that to set a tone i did it to help confirm our road course changes because we're going to see a lot of road courses on the schedule this year in nascar and so we had to come out of the gate strong and so i'm really proud of everybody at ganassi for switching some things around and in investing more into our road racing program and then you know the fine line of stepping over the line right now on the road courses, it, it, the cars are, aren't forgiving and you can find trouble pretty quick. And so I'm just real happy that the day turned out as well as it did, even after our, my mistake while I was leading. You also tweeted, wow, Ty Gibbs just put on a clinic. I, I love it when the veteran drivers are watching and when a young driver like Ty races the way he did. I mean, it's powerful. I read those on the air. I'm like, well, look what Kurt Busch just said. So Ty's this young racer. Some people are like, well, people are like throwing him into championship level now. He's just getting started. We know that. But what did you see in him in that race for a racer as young as he is? I saw something special. And to, to jump into the Xfinity series uh, and never have run a race there with those guys, you know, these, these cars and the tire and the track, uh, they put him in there to go get road course experience expecting him to you know just just run around there and gain laps right and he had never done a live pit stop is what i had heard on the broadcast as well i mean that was something special i stopped coach gibbs on pit road the next day and said congratulations we've been in this sport a long time coach has seen a lot of different moments in sports and i said coach i saw something special i haven't seen something special in a long time and i just wanted to say congrats he's got it and I know exactly you guys know exactly what to do with him uh, to make him a star but I just wanted to say that on social and I wanted to stop coach Gibbs and say wow that was something special 
a kid drove like a veteran, didn't put a wheel out of place and brought home the win. I mean, it's like, boom, your first start. Way to go, kid. Thank you. Good luck this weekend, Kurt. Thank you. Our next question will come from Dustin Long. Go ahead with the question, Dustin. Thank you. Hey, hey Kurt, looking back at last weekend's race on the road course, uh, certainly there was the situation with the caution uh, for the rain, uh, the brief uh, in, in parts of the course. Now, certainly NASCAR followed the rule book and that when the, it starts in a dry condition, uh, they're going to throw one caution for a situation like that, allow teams to go down pit road if they wanted to put rain tires on. Nobody did in this case. Is this, is this situation where this is still a good rule in the place of it provides a little a warning of potential rain in, in a particular area on a, on a big course like this? Or is it better for maybe the drama for the sport to kind of let this be more on an onus on the teams? And then it's up to you guys to decide, hey, look, conditions are kind of iffy at some of these tracks. I'm thinking about what you might see, it, at, you know, particularly like a Road America later this year for how big that is and, or a Coda. Is this something that this rule is a good rule? Is it something should be looked at as maybe uh, adjusting or changing at some point? Yeah, I, I saw the problem developing. You know, the radar was clear. Uh, my team didn't even mention rain. And I radioed to him. I said, hey, it's raining in two, turn two oval, um, but it's not anywhere else. And then the spotter chimed in and said, yeah, it's raining on the front straightaway, but it's really light. And, and then the, the, the engineer radioed in, there's nothing on the radar. And then the yellow comes out. So what we have here are, are rules in place to create the safety aspect of it, but also to create a controlled environment of when we're gonna switch to rain tires. But it's the weather, it's mother nature. You know, I, I, if, if, if I had children and I, if I was helping them in life and giving them advice on where they could go and who, who they can be and what they wanna do in life, I'd just say, hey, be a, be a meteorologist. You can get paid and be wrong on the same day. And I'm joking because you just don't know what the weather's gonna do. And so the way to get away from this gray area of a call on whether to switch terrain tires or not is to allow the teams to do it. But here we are at Daytona doing 180 on the back straightaway or in the, in the banking on the oval. And if we're on slicks and, the, and a rain shower hits that section of the track and cars are spinning out wrecking, then the teams are going to be like, where was the yellow? So it, it's a, it's a catch 22. And yes, we're going to road America, four mile road course. Daytona is 3.6. Coda, I don't know the distance, but it's huge. You know, turn 11 is probably a mile and a half away as, as the crow would fly from the front straightaway. So we got to, got to look at local cautions. You know, those, those have gone away over the years. It's now just one major caution. It seems like, and it was a tough call for NASCAR to have to make, but it was in the, on the side of safety. Similar to when I lost a race at Daytona uh, last summer or two summers ago when there was a lightning strike in the area. But then the next one was further away when they called the race. Thank you. Our next question will come from Alan Cavana. Go ahead with the question, Alan. Hey Kurt, uh, Christopher Bell got the win last weekend. Um, you know, kind of he's kind of just in a new situation. Obviously, he'll be starting up front around different drivers than he was racing last year. W what do you remember when you were a young driver being in that situation, and, and then you know suddenly kind of graduating up to that that top tier? What is that like for a young driver? Kind of new real estate. 
Yeah, I think he's ready for it. The kid's proven himself as a, as a great talent, and it's his stage to stand on now. You know, he's, he's now been a, in the Cup Series a couple of years. He's with a top-tier team. He's a winner. Uh, you know, if I can revert back to my situation around this, this point in his career, it would have been like when, after I won Bristol in 2002, my second year, and you're like around all these guys now. You know, there's a different feel of racing up front. And so he'll blend in just fine. Um, he, he did a great job to, to win that road course race last weekend. Now he gets to show his talent on an oval with a top tier team that's been very good at Homestead. And now you just start rolling with it. And so he'll have those emotions. Uh, but as a good racer that we all know that he is, he can block that out and focus on the job at hand. Do you remember that challenge or that learning curve once you got up there? It was pretty wild, you know, like you, you're like, man, Jeff Gordon's behind me right now. Or uh, Dale Jarrett is, is up ahead. Do I pass him now? Do I wait? What do I do? And so you have those moments where you, you can't get too wrapped up in it, uh, which happens with a young guy. And he's just going through these new experiences and, and he has to learn on his own. Thank you. All right, we're going to take our next question from Michael Shelton. Go ahead, Michael. Thank you very much. Well, Kirk, heading into Homestead, Miami uh, this weekend, you have a victory there and an average finish of 18th. But this will be the first race run in Miami in February, in the month of February, as opposed to November and then June of last year. And also you, the choose rule will be in effect. So I was just curious, uh, what kind of adjustments do you make heading into this weekend's race? You know, it's maybe with the weather and maybe with these new rules now in effect. Yeah, this week uh, for the Miami race, looking at the weather, uh, it's going to be the hottest race we've ever had down there. Uh, it's going to be during the hottest portion of the day. And so the track is going to seem extremely slow, lack of grip. And so we're already making setup changes to adjust for that. Uh, you know, it'll be a refreshing change to go back to the choose rule. Uh, we haven't had that in a while. And here we are back in a mile and a half where we haven't been at one of those since, uh, since Texas last November. So again, it's just like everything right now with, with the new protocols, the new schedule, lack of practice. Uh, there's a lot of shooting from the hip and reacting in the moment. And that's, that's where you can't overthink it and you just have to do it. Thank you. Good luck. Thank you. All right. Take our next question from Alan Cavana. Go ahead, Alan. Uh, I think I already went. I apologize. Uh, sorry. <laughs> oh, no, it's okay. Um, we're going to take our next one then from Marty Sakala. Go ahead, Marty. Thank you. Hey, Kurt. Hope you're well. A uh, couple questions for you. I will just, I, I know you're focused on Homestead, but I want to look at the Bristol dirt race. You know, some video came out last night of some tests of drivers running at the Bristol dirt track. Drivers that were taking modifieds and stock cars were saying that they can hold it wide open and it's like the fastest they've ever been on dirt. I know the cup cars are heavier than they than regular dirt cars are, um, but did you happen to watch any of it, or have you heard about any of the stuff that happened during that test session, and do you have any takeaways? Uh, I wasn't even aware of a test session. I was you know, told that we're um, not supposed to be at the tracks that we race testing and all that, so I got to look into that. And, yes, I mean, it, Bristol is a very wide uh, heavily banked my, a half mile racetrack and putting dirt on there. It's, it's the fastest, biggest dirt track that any of these guys are ever going to see. The thing that uh, not a lot of people are, are really focusing on 
is the Sunday race for our cup cars will be after a long week of the track being used. Uh, the trucks, the Xfinity, the cup cars are all big, heavy cars. And with the quantity of 40 NASCAR Cup Series cars on that track, it's going to get pounded down and glazed over and it's going to be super slick and super slow. And there's no way to get the mud in that racing condition. And so you could go there and practice test and do all these things. It's just not going to be the conditions on what it's going to take to win. And so, you know, guys like Kyle Larson are, are probably the most valuable people to talk to right now. Clint Boyer, um, you know, anybody, Christopher Bell, anybody with a dirt background will tell you more about how the dirt's changing conditions will go versus what I can. Uh, and so it's just going to be that, that experience level and that knowledge of what to do when. And so, but it's, it's Bristol. It's a lot of big hype. I mean, they've been pouring mud on that thing since like January 1. I heard it's sold out. And that's the job that, that we're all supposed to do is hype it up. Just want to clarify those two drivers that we're testing are we're testing for the uh, Dirt National uh, short track event that's happening. Um, as a follow up uh, with the news on Rick Ware race and announcing Chris Windham uh, for uh, the Bristol Dirt Race. Are you in favor of having drivers racing cup in one offs on dirt races? Kind of like the road course ringers, like what Xfinity and Truck Series do or not really considering the charter system that NASCAR has in place? Um, I'm a racer. I'm game for anybody that wants to show up and race. You always want the best competition out there. You always want to beat the best. You know, if, if Bloomquist gets a ride, I want to see him out there. You know, Steve Kinzer going to come out of retirement, come out and race with us. You know, I, you, that's what this, this dirt race is all about is, is the newness and the, and the creativity and how to get a ride and get out there. And it's like Ron Fellows back in the day or Boris said, showing up at a road course. That's what you want to see. You want to see everybody out there. Thank you, Kurt. Good luck this weekend. Thank you. All right. And we've got time for one more with Kurt. We'll take our next question from Jerry Jordan. Go ahead, Jerry. Hey, Kurt. Um, you know, NASCAR's got uh, TV shows now with the, with the crew and you've, uh, you, you're on some, you know, some TV shows or some different programs uh, this past week we saw the monster video what is your celebrity status like right now and and what plans do you have to continue stuff like appearances on on shows or more monster videos you know it's when the phone rings or when there's an email or whatever opportunity leads to the next one uh you know my chance to film the the, the cinematography cool picturesque scenes down in the keys with monster was something important to me because i wanted to get a nascar car out on the open road when you do that now you got people talking production crews uh the, the state of florida was helping us shut down the bridges uh their tur tourism bureau was excited to help promote the video and, and it just snowballs and next thing you know you get this phone call over here or that person goes and talks over there and uh, it's, it's again, it's, it's the duty and the job of teams and drivers and sponsors and sponsors. What I mean by that is we have to still have the activation outside of our races. There still needs to be the activation when our fans come back in the midway areas to create that excitement and the, uh, the commercials and the advertising space that you see out in the, the general public. I mean, uh, when I was, putting on my driver's suit 
down in Key West and going to do that, that last scene where we did a burnout on Duval Street, one of the photographers who doesn't know anything about NASCAR goes, oh, look, he's got his PJs on. And that's probably from Denny Hamlin's Domino's commercial where he's got his PJs. And that's, that's where we have to connect again to mainstream and, and to people that don't necessarily watch NASCAR. We have to be out there pushing. Days of Thunder did huge things for us in the 90s. Talladega Nights in the mid-2000s. We just got to keep going. And that's that's part of just where you, you basket weave and create a bigger spider web that gets more eyeballs to our sport. Thank you, bud. Take care. All right, Kurt. Well, thank you so much for taking some time to talk with us. Um, we wish you the best of luck this weekend at Homestead Miami Speedway. Right. Thank you. All righty. And to all the media, thank you guys so much for joining us. Um, this will conclude today's availability um, but there is a um, reminder, we do have one with um, Toyota later on, um, Sam Hunt Racing. So all of that information can be found on nascarmedia.com and this will be posted shortly. Thank you guys for joining us. While there still may be 24 more races left in the NASCAR Cup Series regular season to decide who will qualify for the playoffs, two new names that will be making the postseason debuts this year Michael McDowell and Christopher Bell have already locked themselves in. Looking ahead to this weekend's race, the Dixie Vodka 400 Homestead Miami Speedway, there are 15 different drivers entered that have won at least one NASCAR National Series race at the famous mile-and-a-half South Florida track, and all 15 are hoping to etch their name on the postseason list. Two drivers looking for their first win this season, Joe Gibbs Racing's Kyle Busch, and Stuart Haas Racing's Kevin Harvick are the only two drivers entered this weekend that have won in all three NASCAR National Series at Homestead Miami Speedway. Bush has scored two wins in 2015 and 2019 in the Cup Series, two in the Xfinity Series in 2009 and 2010, and three in the Truck Series 2010, 2013, and 2020. Kevin Harvick has collected one victory in each Cup 2014, Xfinity 2004, and Truck 2009. In last season's Homestead Cup race, Bush finished posted his ninth career top 10 finish at the track, and Harvick finished 26th in his first finish outside the top 10 at the mile and a half track since 2007. Bush's Joe Gibbs racing teammate, Denny Hamlin, is the early favorite for this weekend at Homestead. The Chesterfield, Virginia native is tied with Greg Biffle and NASCAR Hall of Famer Tony Stewart for the series most wins with three each. He is defending winner of this race. He took last season's checkered flag from the pole after leading a race high 137 laps. In total, Denny Hamlin has made 16 series starts at Homestead, posting three wins, five top fives, and 11 top tens. The next most recent winner in the NASCAR Cup Series at Homestead, Miami, is Team Penske's Joey Logano, who took home the series title after winning the 2018 season finale. Joey Logano has made 12 starts at the South Florida track, posting one win, four top fives, six top tens. The 30-year-old Logano finished 27th at Homestead uh, last season, his first finish outside the top 10 since 2014. Like Logano, JGR's Martin Truex Jr. won the 2017 season finale at Homestead with Furniture Row Racing and also collected a series title in the process. 
Truex finished 12th in last year's Homestead race, breaking a streak of one-two finishes dating back to 2017. In 16 starts at Homestead, Truex posted one win, six top fives, and ten top tens. The sixth active driver to win at Homestead is Chip Ganassi's Kurt Busch, who won back in 2002 driving for Roush Fenway Racing. In total, Kurt Busch has made 20 starts at Homestead, putting up one win, four top fives, and seven top tens. He finished 17th last season. Seven additional NASCAR Cup Series drivers are entering this weekend and have only one at the Homestead Miami Speedway in the Xfinity Series. That's Brad Keselowski, Chase Briscoe, Tyler Reddick, Cole Custer, Daniel Suarez, Kyle Larson, and Ryan Newman. Chase Briscoe is the only driver of the seven to win at Homestead in both the NASCAR Xfinity Series and the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series. Two additional NASCAR Cup Series drivers enter this week have won at Homestead solely in the, in the Cup, excuse me, in the Truck Series, and that is William Byron and Bubba Wallace. So, Peter, with that being said, we start the year with as we've we've talked about so far on this show, two first-time winners. But here we've listed drivers that have won here before that are looking to take claim their season and get a win. Out of those drivers that that I just mentioned, who rings the bell for you as far as getting it done this weekend? Well, the one guy that I, that my pick was going to be, you're not going to like it, but it was going to be Martin Truex Jr. <sighs> I know, okay. I know, but if <laughs> you read that, I just remember him finishing first and second for years. And then I, he finished, what, 12th, you said, last week, last year? He's always he always runs good at Homestead, always. And 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 that whole organization has got Homestead on lock. It could be any of the of the Joe Gibbs guys. Yeah, when I look at Joe Gibbs, uh, JGR, uh, the driver that I'm pointing to is Denny Hamlin. Yeah, it's a good. I mean, too. D- Denny Hamlin is has been strong to start off the year. Uh, he's on a high right now, being co-owner of 2311. By the way, uh, 2311 is the best among new cup teams so far. Yep. So I'm looking at Denny Hamlin as far as those drivers that have won before. And and like I said last week, the driver to watch, Chase Briscoe. And I say that not to say Chase Briscoe is going to shock the world and get a win. Uh, that would be awesome. But I say that because here we are going to another racetrack that Cole C- – excuse me, not Cole Custer. I know you'd like that. That, uh, <laughs> that, that Chase Briscoe has basically dominated or, or has won uh, in, in the past in, the, in, the, in the, the two bottom series compared to the cup series. And, and, and I just I, – I think that Stuart Haas Racing is, the, is, is one of the top teams, I mean, obviously. Yep. So he's in great equipment. He's been with the organization for a few years now. Uh, and and I just, this is a track that has been good to Chase Briscoe. And so Chase Briscoe is the one to watch. And he's he loves this racetrack. This is probably hands down his favorite racetrack of all uh, racetracks he's been to. I'm actually, I really am super excited for this weekend. I think it's going to be a great race because of the reason, because a lot of drivers have won here. A lot of drivers like this track. It's fun to watch. 
And um, I'm just ashamed it's not the final race of the year. I hate that it's not. This is not the final race of the year at Homestead. I understand they had to make changes, but I definitely wouldn't have put Phoenix as the last last race of the year. But there, are yeah, I know you shared. <laughs> yeah, you've shared that with me uh, numerous occasions. <laughs> I know. And and you know, I mentioned the one to watch this weekend is Chase Briscoe, and I say that purely just for me. I know. You know that that's who I'm watching. I'm you know big fan of Chase Briscoe. Known him for seven years. Uh, so obviously the, you know, the, the friend in me and the fan in me want him to do well. Um, but there's another driver that I think is going to have the best opportunity he's ever had at this racetrack. And that is Kyle Larson. Yeah. Uh, A lot of people fear Kyle Larson at this racetrack because he is, he just attacks the racetrack better than anybody else. He hasn't had as much success there. But now at Hendrick Motorsports, he's going to have every opportunity to go out there and lead every lap and win the race. What a good story that would be if he did put it in victory lane, though. That would be cool to see. And and I think it's a, a possibility. You, you can throw Bubba Wallace and being a, the opportunity he has and better equipment to come around <clears throat> this, this race, too. Yep. And, and, and speaking of, and speaking of uh, uh, you know, how cool – is it uh there's someone returning to the pit box this weekend did you see this what do we got going on steve latart he's coming back to the pit box for uh spire motorsports this week is he yeah so spire motorsports announced that several team members on the number seven car will not be participating this weekend at homestead due to covid19 protocols okay including the crew chief ryan sparks oh so so as a result of that uh you know nascar cup series former excuse me former nascar cup series crew chief turned nbc sports nascar tv analyst uh, is going to return to the pit box this week and lead the number seven team with Corey lajoy behind the wheel well um, i can only hope that it's a permanent job <laughs> no it's it's not it won't be <laughs> i know i keep them off the keep them out of the booth <laughs> sorry steve so but- not a fan with you in the booth. <laughs> so let me let me just refresh everybody's memory. Uh, Steve Latart has served as crew chief in the Cup Series for nine full seasons at Hendrick Motorsports. And during that time, he led NASCAR Hall of Famer Jeff Gordon and Dale Hart Jr. to a combined total 15 victories. None at Homestead, though. None. And... Uh, and uh, Corey LaJoy has made four series starts at Homestead with an average finish of 31.2. But let's face it, all the attempts that Corey LaJoy has had at Homestead has been in subpar equipment. So yes. I think this is his best opportunity. And he's uh, and he's one of the other ones, I think, that has finished inside the – or he's in the he's in the top ten in points, I believe. Yeah, I believe I think so. He, I think he's also finished in the top ten in both uh, both races so far. He's, uh, he's looking good in that seven car. Yeah, and uh, and he said, you know, this is this is the best opportunity he has had in the Cup Series, and and uh, it's showing that that is true. And I'm and I'm shocked because Spire, you know, was not a team to be reckoned with uh, in the last two seasons. Nope. But they've made some changes, and and I say they are competitive. Yeah, the '77 car is competitive too. I agree. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I mean, you know, because. Yeah, so I'm looking forward to seeing what this team can do for the remainder of this. Now, here we go to Homestead, mile and a half. This is where we're going to see 
what these teams are really made of. Yes. And and one team that I'm going to keep my eye on to see is Trackhouse. You see how because, yeah, Suarez does. Because, yeah. Yeah, because you know Suarez even said this is the best opportunity he's ever been. He drove Joe Gibbs equipment. Yes. So uh, I'm and they've they've ran well. You know they had an issue uh, in the 500 getting caught up in that wreck on lap 14 by uh, second week eventual winner. Um, <laughs> yeah, he rang the bell. <laughs> <laughs> and another uh, another good news is uh, Homestead is going to host a limited number of fans. So there are going to be fans at Homestead this weekend. Yes. Which is good. We're making making forward progress. Yeah, and uh, Beth, who uh, uh, let's see, uh, the, the woman that plays Beth on on uh, the crew is she gonna uh, be the uh, she, Grand Marshal. Yeah, she, she's gonna. Yeah, no, she's gonna perform the uh, national anthem. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, uh, so there, there's that. All right, that's good. Yeah. All right, so what we're going to do is we're going to take a break, and then we're going to come back and uh, probably wrap this thing up. So uh, you listen to The Bucky Burt Show. We'll be right back. Have you ever wanted to get your hands on some real race-used memorabilia? Then the Racing Warehouse is the place for you. The Racing Warehouse works with professional teams like Hendrick Motorsports, Richard Childress Racing, and others. They get their race-used items like bumpers, quarter panels, nameplates, fire suits, and more, and list them on their website for you to buy. They also have social media pages that feature live auctions, broadcasts, and special deals. With 10-plus years in the business, be sure to use the Racing Warehouse to get your piece of racing history today. All right, welcome back to the Bucky Birch Show. Uh, one one thing that we we wanted to mention uh, is uh, how about Ty Gibbs getting his first ever Xfinity season or Xfinity Series win in his first ever start, and I think I saw a stat, Peter, where uh, that's like his like only his twenty fifth race in a stock car. Yeah, he looked pretty damn good, didn't he? Yeah, and he it was the pass in the grass. Yeah, I think uh, good old grandpa is pretty happy. What do you think? Yeah, and, uh, you know, they, they did announce his schedule for the remaining of uh, races for this year. Um, and I don't have that, you know, in front of us, but we'll we'll get that passed on along probably on the show's Facebook page. Yes. And another thing I wanted to touch on is uh, Ben Rhodes in the truck series. Uh, he opens up the season with uh, first place finishes in race number one and race number two. I, I, it's too early to say he's the uh, the favorite to win the championship because uh, the first two races, you know, were uh, super speedway and a road course. So the majority of the, the, the schedule is mile and a half and short track. So we still got to see who performs on those. But but uh, Ben Rhodes shooting off the season with two wins. And they're off this weekend, right? Is they are. Off this weekend? Yep, yeah. they're, they go. They, they come back at Vegas a week from Friday. Right. OK. Yep. So. uh uh, and, and real quick, uh, keeping with the truck series, uh, the Sunoco Rookie of the Year standings, because there's um, there's six drivers competing for Rookie of the Year in the truck series. Yep. Um, and, and one of those drivers didn't make the race at Daytona. And, and I guess that's uh, – I don't think he's going to make any more races this year. But Chandler Smith is the leader with 70 points. 
Carson uh, Hosevar. He yep. has 55 points. Haley Deegan, whoop, whoop. That's my girl. <laughs> uh, she's got 26 points. And Chris Wright and Chase Purdy uh, both have 25. So, oh. um, <clears throat> so I would love to see Haley Deegan win Rookie of the Year. There's a lot of racing left. But she's got to knock off some 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 good finishes. And the thing is, is in the Daytona in the Daytona race and the road course, she was running well, and then and then ran into trouble like literally at the end of the race. Yeah, which a lot of drivers can say had happened to. But uh, she's still, like I said, week number two, uh, a lot of racing still to go. <laughs> yep. And speaking of uh, this week at Homestead. Denny Hamlin's going to be your pole sitter, followed by Joey Logano, Christopher Bell, Kevin Harvick, Kurt Busch, Michael McDowell, Brad Keselowski, Ryan Priest, Martin Truex Jr., Cole Custer, Chris, excuse me, Chase Elliott, Chris Buescher, Alex Bowman, Ryan Blaney, Rick, uh, Ricky Reckham Stenhouse Jr., <laughs> then Eric Almarola, Kyle Larson, then Eric Jones, Bubba Wallace, and then Justin Haley. Daniel Suarez, Austin Dillon, Ryan Newman, Kyle Busch, Corey LaJoy, Cody Ware, Anthony Alfredo, Garrett Smithley, James Davidson, uh, Davison, J- uh, Chase Briscoe, William Byron, Ross Chastain, Timmy Hill, BJ McLeod, Tyler Reddick, Josh Balicki, Matt DiBenedetto, and Quinn Huff. Are your 38 starters? Uh, yes, our 38 starters. Uh, so... Um, we were able to determine that the 16 and the 96 are not there this week. Correct. So we got 17 Chevys, five Toyotas, and 16 Fords in the field uh, this weekend at Homestead. All right. It's the end of the show, so it's time for us to make our picks. Well, real quick, though, don't we... forget, uh, we got to throw in that uh, camping war. Camp- um, jumped on the 99 car for a couple races this year for Trackhouse Racing. Good news for track house and yeah, sweet uh, little looking car. I posted it in the uh, in the page. Good. good looking car. Starting this weekend, he'll be rocking the Camping World cover colors. All right, so head on over to the Bucky Birch Show's Facebook page, and you'll see the uh, very good looking Camping World Chevy uh, Camaro, the number ninety nine for track house racing. Daniel Suarez. Hopefully, he doesn't get sick. We got to mention that he got yeah, very he, sick. Yeah, yeah, he threw up in the helmet. Yeah, hopefully he. Uh, Gets enough fluids for him. It's going to be a hot summer, they said, down there. It's going to be really hot down there. So it's going to be uh, – hope so, they're ready for that. Well, it'll be a hot, slick track. Good. I can't wait. Yeah. All right. So who do you have? Who's your pick to win this weekend at Homestead? I'm not going to I'm not going to get away from what I said earlier. I'll say Martin Truex will pull out a win in the, in the 19 Bass Pro Shop Toyota. All right. Well, I really like – Denny Hamlin's chances, but I'm going to go with Kyle Larson this Ooh, weekend. That is yeah, a good... He's, now, he's got to come from far back in the field, but uh, I believe that he'll be up front in no time. Uh, but but I'm telling you, Denny Hamlin's going to be tough to beat, but I'm just... I'm going to go with Kyle Larson because I just think that Kyle Larson's going to have the best opportunity he's ever had to actually to win here at Homestead. So... And the drivers to watch, obviously, uh, Chase Briscoe yet again this week. Uh, this is one of his best racetracks. And uh, uh, it'll be interesting to see how he tackles the cup car at Homestead. So do you have a one to watch or 
Or yeah, I mean, to- I'm going to say Bubba Wallace. I'm going to be watching to see how he does in this equipment. I, I'm looking forward to see how he runs in this this uh, stuff. Let's see. How's It'll definitely be a test for that 2311 race team, and we'll really get to see what they're made of. I can't wait. I really am super excited. Three o'clock, right on Sunday. Yep. All right. Well, we appreciate you guys tuning in. If you are listening to this podcast, but it's not where you normally find your podcast, uh, give us a, a message on the Facebook page or on our Twitter uh, and let us know where you like to hear it. And we'll see about trying to get it on there for you. But anyway, you're listening to the Bucky Burt show. We'll see you on the next episode. Later. Later.